TED Audio Collective. This is ZigZag, a podcast about changing the course of capitalism, journalism, and women's lives. I'm Manoush Samarodi, and I cannot believe what I'm about to say. You're listening to Chapter 12, the final episode of Season 1. If this is your first time here, hello, and do go back to the beginning so you can hear all about the weird things that have happened to me and my co-founder, Jen Poyant, over the first 11 episodes. If you've missed a couple episodes, we totally get it. Go back, catch up. And if you've been with us all along, yay, then don't worry. We're only taking off a couple weeks. Because as you know, we're part of this project called Civil that's using mind-bending new technology called blockchain to build a new kind of social network for news, a place where the community makes sure quality conversation and facts thrive and that falsehoods and trolls get booted off. But for that to work, Civil needs regular folks to buy Civil tokens, a cryptocurrency that might be able to throw good journalism this lifeline it so desperately needs. The token sale starts September 18th, and Civil needs to pull in a minimum of $8 million. And we can't wait to see what happens when actual humans start testing this wild idea. Meanwhile, on this episode, we're going to tie up some loose ends that you've been asking about. It's cool what you're doing, but I still have some really big questions. I would love more of an explainer. I have a very big question, which is really bugging me. And we've got some tough questions for one of the biggest names in blockchain. And how much have you put into Civil, can I ask? Um, so it's complicated. Zigzag will be back in a sec. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. But that's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Lots happening in this grand finale episode, folks. But do not miss the end of the show. There's a little treat, a little surprise. Blockchain guitar man, that's all I'm going to say. Okay, before we get to the part where Jen and I answer all your probing questions about what's happening in season two and what's up with our business, Stable Genius Productions, we need to do some journalism. An interview with someone we've wanted to talk to all season long. Hey, hello again. Can we make it warmer in here? Yeah, sorry. Want to turn the AC on for a minute or two? Joe Lubin, as we've mentioned in a couple previous episodes, is the co-founder of Ethereum, the blockchain that Civil will run on. He's also the CEO of Consensus. This is a company that advises and invests in lots of blockchain startups that are using Ethereum. Together, they're creating like an ecosystem of products. They actually call themselves the mesh. So, for example, Token Foundry, that's the place where you register to buy civil tokens. It is also part of the mesh. So, Joe, so, I want to so start. Just, uh, um, we're just going to go for it. Ask a whole bunch of questions. I'm just going to ask a whole we'll bunch of questions. We will engage in dialogue. We will engage in dialogue. Anyway, 
on a very hot and sweaty August day, the ZigZag team went over to Consensus headquarters, this big old brick apartment building in the Bushwick neighborhood of Brooklyn that kind of feels like a coder clubhouse. We had some questions that have been nagging at us. Not only is Civil trying to resurrect journalism, it's also trying to be the first mass consumer blockchain project. Can it, can it, can it do that? We'll see. Um, we're setting the, the barriers to entry uh, very, very high, unfortunately. And we've been in long, deep discussions with regulators around the world about how to stay out of trouble when you're selling these kinds of tokens, basically. How to structure the tokens properly, how to market the tokens properly so that you wouldn't be deemed by the SEC, for instance, to be selling unregistered securities to Americans. And so we've had to go especially carefully and slowly. And it's not about uh, a quick win here, although we'd like some quick wins. It's about building a, a really sturdy foundation, sturdy infrastructure for transforming journalism. Worst case scenario is, of course, that they don't hit the low cap of $8 million. Mm-hmm. But let's say they do hit $8 million. Mm-hmm. Is that enough money to actually fund all the amazing things that Matthew and the civil people have in mind with the Civil Foundation and Vivian Schiller? And they have, a, they have big grand plans. $8 million is not going to cover it. I think just having a success in the token launch will set us on our way. Matthew is incredibly ambitious, unbelievably ambitious, and wants to materialize this thing instantly, enormously, everywhere. Matthew is Matthew Isles, the founder of Civil. It's okay if we go a little bit slower than, than Matt's plans, but uh, there, there are so many projects in the works that will push this out in many different directions and Uh, Just onboard a bunch of people every day, I think, in sort of small numbers, but then in big numbers, too, as we move to make it really easy for newsrooms to set up and be automatically connected to civil. Okay, so let's go the other tack. Let's say this is wildly successful. We hit the 24 million, the hard caps, quick, really fast. People are into this civil thing. Can the Ethereum network handle that many transactions? Um, Sure. So the first thing that's going to happen is just... um, the token curated registry transactions, that's not going to be a problem. We may clog up the network a little bit with this wildly successful crowd sale, um, but that'll be fine. CryptoKitties, which I am new to, I just learned that they went viral big time and they did crash the network. They didn't crash the network, no. No, No, not at all. The network worked perfectly uh, during the CryptoKitties craze. People say that CryptoKitties broke Ethereum, and that's basically like saying... Rush hour broke Uber. So you could still get your transaction done if you paid enough for it. Uh, people were having to pay $2 or $3 at, at times rather than the, the few cents that they were used to. As their gas. Uh, yeah, it, it, to get a transaction done. Exactly. Are, you, are you proud of me that I knew that that was, what the, right, that was the right phrase, right? Um, it wasn't as no. sophistically uttered as you, you could have. Honestly, it feels like I've had to learn a new language. Like, yeah. I might as well be coming in no, here and learning to speak great. Slovakian you, to you. You seem like you understand what's going on. Uh, you're honest about some lack of understanding that you have, but you, you seem very much up to speed. My whole theory here is, like, if we had had a way of talking about the technology earlier with the Internet, that yeah. we might have maybe not gotten to this place where it feels a little bit irreparable. So... 
it's an interesting theory, but um, the problem is that when you're building big, complex systems, they have emergent properties that our little brains can't model and mm-hmm. map out. And so we just have to build the systems. We have to let all the brilliant people figure out uh, ways to use the systems as intended, figure out ways to break the systems. Hackers regularly cheat the system and they serve as security consultants uh, that show us where the systems are broken. They extract their consulting fees um, and <laughs> and we learn how to fix those systems. But you're bringing in the regular people pretty early with this civil project. Uh, yeah, and that's what's been really interesting about the blockchain ecosystem is that the institutions are just about poised to come in uh, very strongly. Uh, so Goldman, Morgan, mm-hmm. many others have trading desks already, and it's about to get really big and really valuable. When you say it's about to get really big and really valuable, what are you specifically referring to? Um, well, the blockchain ecosystem has been driven mostly by initially crypto anarchists and then regular consumers and not big financial institutions. I think with this most recent surge and pullback. Surge and pullback. Joe's referring to the wild fluctuations of Ether, Ethereum's cryptocurrency. Ether was going for $1,000 earlier this year, but recently the price fell to as low as $251 a token. Collectively, Ether's loss in value was equal to, like, the entire GDP of Slovakia. But Joe thinks the lower price of ETH spells the end of a bubble and the beginning of crypto going more mainstream. It has absolutely established blockchain crypto assets on the world stage. And it's really been just your average consumer who's been driving all this. Uh, But now, essentially, the big money, the big transactions are about to move in. And there's going to be a lot of value pouring into it and a lot of infrastructure being built to support it. I'm laughing a little bit that you're saying it's been driven by the average consumer because I think our listeners would beg to differ on that. I think they think of themselves as the average consumer, and all of this is new to 90% of them. Sure. Let's call it a non-institutional actor. Fair enough. And I will say, like, people who I never would have expected have sent me notes like, I bought some Bitcoin a couple years ago. I haven't known what to do with it. And you're like, really, you? It's incredibly compelling stuff. I do want to ask you, you know, it has sort of been the people who seem to understand that journalism needs a lifeline have been billionaires. Jeff Bezos, Lorraine Jobs, Craig Newmark, billionaires putting money into institutions to uh, make sure that they continue to function. There are people who are saying, oh, it's just another billionaire who's putting, pumping his own money into this. What do you say to that? And, and how much have you put into civil? Um, so I don't know who you're talking about, first of all. But uh, essentially our mission is to build technology to enable the world to build better systems for itself. Uh, and we feel like decentralized architectures will often produce better systems. And so what better domain than journalism to attempt to bring these better technologies into because journalism and some other things on this planet is broken. And how much have you put into civil, can I ask? Uh, currently, uh, I'm not not sure. There was the initial $5 million, right, which was, I think... Uh, so it's complicated. We put a, a lot of sweat into civil. <laughs> Um, okay, speed round. Do you own CryptoKitties? Uh, my girlfriend owns CryptoKitties. Have you ever dined with Bitcoin carnivores? I don't know what that means. Oh, okay. 
Have you registered to buy civil tokens? Uh, I'm not registered, but... Uh, you should uh, get on I, that. Yeah. Um, if you had to estimate how many people will register for civil's token sale, what number would you say? Um, I would guess, so we, we still need to get more active and more sophisticated with respect to marketing. I and some others at Consensus are personally going to target people who can hopefully make significant impacts, both in terms of invoking numbers of other people, uh, as well as having legitimate reasons for buying big chunks of tokens. Um, so I would guess three to 5,000 people. Okay. If Civil becomes really popular and millions of people are using the platform, will the Ethereum network crash? No. For basically decades, uh, software developers uh, have been stressing the systems that they build software on. And we need people to stress the systems because that shows us where uh, the software needs to be tweaked or re-architected or the applications themselves need to be re-architected. So I actually hope that um, we underestimate demand and civil keeps breaking Ethereum. Uh, and by breaking, I don't mean that it's going to stop working. I mean that it's going to cost a little bit more to run transactions on Ethereum. The one question that we have gotten from people is a sense that this one token equals one vote on the civil platform spells trouble. That it means that people who can afford to buy the most tokens, who have access to understanding this technology, will immediately go into the platform with a say and that other people won't. Sure. So we have a team called GovernX and they have built out different voting systems. We can over time experiment. I think we should stand up a system that works first. Uh, even if it has some, some warts and wrinkles, uh, we shouldn't get too sophisticated, uh, but we can continually improve the system. Mm. I'm a big fan of liquid democracy where I can vote my tokens, but I also recognize that this person over here is more expert on these issues, and so I delegate my tokens mm. uh, to be voted uh, there. Um, Interesting. So, so what you're so saying not, is like linear. we're going to be trying this out when we yeah, start. Yeah, there, there's a lot of smart people that are trying to figure out different ways to approach issues of voting, uh, issues of governance, uh, and it, it's hard stuff. What do you think we should cover in season two? Season two? Yeah. Um, complications of having five or six Lambos. Where do you park them in yeah, Brooklyn? Yeah, right. We should do that, Jen. <laughs> No. Yeah. No, the Lambo meme is an awful one. No, I, I'm sorry it's bad. to even use it as a we, joke. Well, I think I just want to ask you, you know, you're talking about scaling consensus in a way that influences the future of democracy, capitalism. Um, and I'm just curious to know whether or not that ever keeps you up at night. Um, the only thing that keeps me up at night is email. At this, Jen looked incredulous. But I wondered if Maybe Joe wasn't staying up all night stressing out because technically he wasn't in charge, right? We have uh, a decentralized organization uh, as much as we can. So what happens um, when there's, like, issues between – because everybody's working together. What we, happens then? We talk. We talk and we try to resolve issues. And sometimes we bring in people that help us with nonviolent communication techniques and ways of upping our emotional intelligence so, like, therapists? Um, that is absolutely what they are, yeah. We really try not to have a 
top-down command and control structure? Would he try not to have rigid hierarchy? Uh, sometimes hierarchy develops when things get intense, but we work quite hard to make sure those hierarchies aren't rigid. We work quite hard to make sure that decisions aren't made at the top of a pyramid. Um, so, And why? Is that because that means that you can grow faster or because you think so it results in a better product? The thesis is that uh, that's the way society is evolving, that you can't or shouldn't uh, try to grow a big hierarchical organization right now because it's going to be unstable. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to create a lot of value. Lots of people will gain expertise and they will probably leave and start their own or move their project or start their own project somewhere else. If consensus remains a relatively flat mesh of projects and companies, uh, and we externalize lots of our companies, um, but we retain some equity in those companies. Those companies share our DNA. They, I believe, will remain core parts of the consensus ecosystem, the Ethereum ecosystem, the decentralization ecosystem. And my thesis is that we can grow much larger. And in order to do systemically important things, you have to be pretty sizable. Uh, so we'll be able to keep growing in a flat organization if we make consensus the best place for entrepreneurs to come build either one project or, or to serially build projects, if, if this is the best place to do that, uh, and if they feel uh, free. That all makes sense to me logically, but the products all have to work at each of those companies, But right? Jen, what he just described is why we left WNYC. Yeah, I, I, I mean, essentially, from what, what I've you heard, just, that that sounds right. So I don't know. If, I don't know if we found I, like Nirvana or we found the well, place where this is going to work. But like, I, I think that awareness is happening in many different industries, many different cultures, and you guys are pioneers. You just turned it in uh, over to us for that was weird. Okay, I see what you're saying, but I'm what hit me, Joe, while you were saying that was was each of these products, including Civil, have to work, and to be able to make sure they work, I, I, I'm not, to, frankly, right now, totally convinced that there's a, a that decentralized structure would not descend that. into chaos. Yeah, that's I mean, the, each of the products. A centralized structure doesn't ensure that a software product will work. Many don't. Most. Most companies fail. Most tech startups don't get funded a second time. It's not going to be easy. No, not going to be easy. Fair enough. When will you know whether it has worked? Mm. <laughs> um, I guess we could set up some, some OKRs. OKRs, Objectives and Key Results. It's a way of setting goals used by a lot of tech and financial companies. A certain number of <laughs> God. Uh, users on the civil platform. Okay. Certainly interesting. Very, very interesting. Do you want to ask us anything? I, not really. Not really. You guys Fair having enough. fun? Yeah. We're having... Not, not too stressed? Oh, super stressed. It may not work, but the time of my life. Uh-huh. Good. Yes. Yeah. Stress and conflict is, uh, is a good driver of content. Thanks again. Thank you very much. Huh. Joe obviously wants civil to work, but if it doesn't, the whole experiment will just be one more way to test the system. And all the folks at Consensus will take what they've learned and plow it into another project. That is the risk, professional and financial, for all of us involved. 
I read another interview with Joe where he said, this is what it feels like to be living in exponential times. Rapid change, zigzagging, and then zigzagging again. Jen and I were starting to understand that feeling too. An update on how we plan to handle it without it handling us. It's after the break. How do you feel? Like, I don't know. I have a million mixed feelings. It's a hard question. I think you should say that. Okay. We're back. It's ZigZag. Jen and I are in our audio engineer, David Herman's studio, our happy place. What up, Boyan? What up? (laughs) I know it's a difficult question. It's a very loaded question. But how are you feeling about this being the end of season one? I have very mixed feelings about it. It's been kind of a bumpy, zigzaggy ride, uh, and we're wrapping up right as we go into this token sale. We've been trying to explain a lot of minutiae involved mm-hmm. in this token sale and then still explain the technology and run our business and explain how that's working. It's just a lot. So wrapping it up feels bittersweet, but we're also tired. Yeah, my eye twitch has not gone away. <laughs> and I think that's okay to admit. I think we're, we're going to take a little break but we're also going bi-weekly, so we don't, yeah, can we don't you explain? leave people in the lurch. People are like, bi-weekly? What does that mean? It just means that instead of publishing every single week, every, we'll publish every two weeks. So we'll do an update the week after next. Yep. So we'll have two episodes in September every other week. And then we're back in full-on. Yes, but that second episode in September is going to be a big one for us because it's going to be right after the token sale. So we don't want to— Starts, wanna, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't want to— you know, leave people in the lurch and not inform them of, you know, what we see happening there. Okay. And then we come back with two episodes to launch season two on October 11th. Yes. What's our plan? Wait, before we do that, I want to just play you what some listeners have suggested we do in season two. Just some suggestions. I would love to hear a couple of things on season two. I would love to know more about how you guys are surviving um, and journalism in general, what you see for the future of journalism. Now that it absolutely looks like you are not going to become cryptocurrency wealthy, you seem to have abandoned the plot line of how you're going to pay for what it is you're doing. I would love to know more about exactly what Stable Genius wants to focus on. My brother is really into cryptocurrency and talks about it nonstop. And so I asked him what he thought of these civil coins, and he called them shit coins. So what I'm really hoping is that you guys are going to prove him wrong. Okay, so some (laughs) suggestions of what we should cover for season two. And actually, we are going to touch on all of those things, I was about to say, we're going to get there with all of those things. And I mean, the tricky thing is, is what we like to do is you know, kind of zigzag between all of these topics each episode. So you might not hear about the entrepreneur stuff um, for a couple of episodes, and then we'll get back into blockchain or how journalism works. So I feel like we have been doing that, and we're going to continue to do that in season two. But we're also going to be focusing specifically on how information spreads and travels in this 
big, fast-paced modern era, and that's going to be a big focus of the first few episodes in season two. Yeah, because we are um, leading up to the midterm elections here in the U.S. in November. And also, though, we are getting access to some research that no one else is getting access to, and we're going to share that here. I think it's very illuminating, um, and we're definitely going to still focus on the themes around journalism, blockchain, technology, where is it going now? How do we make sure that consumers have a say? How do we make sure that it helps our society and our families be healthy and grow together better? All those Pollyanna-ish things that we feel so strongly about. But that question about us, um, what's going to happen to us, there are some suggestions. I mean, before we go into this, like what is stable genius and all of those things, I want to just play you also some suggestions that people have had about the business. They're really interesting. Why is this overly complicated to support ZigZag and to support Stable Genius? I'm curious why you're hesitating on something like a subscription-based model. I'm thinking like a Patreon or something like that. You could charge anywhere from 3 to $5, $10 even per episode. I know that your content is definitely worth that to me. I would totally rock a zigzag hat or shirt. Nobody has figured out how to explain blockchain better than you guys. So if I were you, I would be doing custom branded podcasts for startups in the blockchain space. What do you think, Jen? We actually are um, considering all of those suggestions, and we have been for a long time. So I think it's time to update listeners a little bit on how we're doing. Just so everybody knows, we do have a grant from Civil that has been sustaining me, my my salary, and that's also been paying for the three audio engineers that we've been working with and our summer intern and our expenses to keep the lights on. And we also have sponsors like Mozilla and Casper and ZipRecruiter. You hear those on the podcast as well and donations. So there are you know, differing revenue streams that we're experimenting with. And we have a few new sponsors that are coming on board for season two. So that's kind of exciting. We're we're playing with what can sustain us. And I think it's also fair to point out, if it's okay with you, that mm. you're not taking a salary right now. You're no. still, you know, basically putting sweat equity into the business. Yeah. And we're hoping through a few other revenue streams in the fall through speaking engagements Uh, and events, that that's going to help pay for your salary. Well, and I mean, to be fair, also, I have this other revenue stream of um, giving talks. And Mm -hmm. right now, that's enough for me to pay my share in the family. But let's go back to the donations Mm -hmm. conversation. Mm -hmm. The woman who said, why is it so difficult? Yeah, it is complicated. We have Radiotopia, which we're, we've received number of donations from listeners. And thank you yes, so thank you. much for doing that. They go straight out of our bank account to paying the fabulously talented audio engineers um, who make the show possible. And then there's also, which we just realized, the button on our website was broken. <laughs> uh. Donating via the civil platform, which for some reason, you know, when there's just two of you, things break and you don't even realize it. Like today I was trying to troubleshoot the newsletter sign up. I think I figured it out. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. But, like, that's where we're so grateful to you listeners that you keep trying to donate or subscribe to the newsletter again and again. And your patience. (laughs) We are trying to make it the least complicated it could be. And it takes time, especially when you're also making a show. Yeah. So please bear with us as we experiment. But I think also the the question about why not just do it on Patreon is a really good one. Mm. But um, because we're publishing on Civil, 
we have the opportunity right now to ask for donations directly on our website when the when the button works. We're going to make the button work. I promise we're going to make the button work. So in a way, t- I think that that makes it a bit redundant if we're if people are willing to go to our website directly and donate. You can and you can do three dollars an episode. You could do five dollars an episode, and that money really does come back into the business. Call one eight eight three seven six. God, <laughs> sounds familiar, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? It's public radio. It's how we do it. But here's the thing, though. I think we should make clear is that we didn't want to ask for money until we had something to offer in return. I felt very strongly that we wanted to have this first season under our belt because I wanted to earn the trust and whatever financial uh, contributions people were willing to make. I mean, I don't take it for granted. Okay, so we're figuring that part out. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you specifically, in Episode 5, Alex Bloomberg and Matt Lieber, the founders of Gimlet, the podcasting company, asked us what our ambition was and what we're trying to do. And you said, don't you hate that when I quote you to you, Jen? Mm -hmm. We haven't figured it out yet, (laughs) so we need to figure it out at some point. But we need to figure out how big we want to be and how much we want to grow. Have we figured that out, Jen? I'm confident in saying we are absolutely in the process <laughs> okay. of figuring out. We yeah. are. I mean, listen, we we launched this business in April. Four months ago. Yeah. So if, if we were a baby, we still wouldn't even be sitting up. Right. We've got still a spitting up. <laughs> we've got a season of our first podcast under our belt right now. We have ambitions to make more. We have an agreement to make two more seasons of this show at the very least. And we're exploring things like how to build teams that can work with us in a way that we feel is responsible and ethical, that we can pay those teams. But here, I'm going to be frank. Sure. You might be like, oh, Jesus, Manoush. But, like, I am really into this show. It's all I want to do, Jen, right now. I love it so much. There's so many weirdo people to talk to and ideas to unfurl and things to explain and to experiment with that if I had the ability financially to just focus on uh the show, that's fine. It's really, I love it. Do you feel like that's enough for the listeners right now? If if we said we want to focus on making two incredible seasons coming up, so season two and and season three, for the next six months, is that enough as like our first project for Stable Genius? Or do we have to have Mm -hmm. the next leg figured out for everybody? Well, there are certain people who are harping on what's the business, what's the business, which I I get. Right now, it's a podcast production company. Is that enough? Look, like what we've achieved in the last four months is as much, I think, as we achieved in two or three years at Note to Self. Mm -hmm. And so we are already moving at such a rapid clip that um, I I think it would be enough because there's so much to unpack. And I think if there are ways that we can take what we're making on ZigZag and turn that into like – listening gathering parties in various cities or like um an engagement project an, perhaps? or an engagement project or like more events or i don't really want to launch more shows right now yeah. i really want to take all the ideas in zigzag and just experiment with them yeah and grow the audience and grow the community and feel like that is solid i think that's completely fine is it financially fine well it depends on if we continue to grow the audience, we'll get more sponsorship. Or if our listeners do want to donate, merch too, I want to do. We just haven't 
we haven't been able to oh do that yet. Oh, my God. But yet. when we you have to, and I do merch, they're gonna, it's going to be, be so good. But we have to, you know, contact our lawyer and make sure that our copyrights are in place. <laughs> so and, many things. You know, it's a it's if to do it right. It's a process. I'm totally into doing all those things. But it, does it financially work? We do want to assure people that we're we're okay and yeah. um, we appreciate the support. I think there there have been some people that I think needed that update because we haven't quite explained that you know there's enough money right now coming in that yep. we're not starving or anything like that. We're able to do our work and concentrate. But. In terms of a longer term strategy, oh, we're, we're not no, there yet. Not, not even close. No. For right now, and part of this would be different, honestly, without the civil grant. But um, for right now, we're sustainable in the sense that we're not, we're being, we're, we're not able going to pay our debt. bills. Yeah. Exactly. How much do you feel like it still depends on how the token sale goes? What, how much? I don't know. Like for so long, we're like, well, you know, we'll have to see what happens with the token oh, sale. And I, I feel like we don't no, think I that don't, anymore. No, I mean, that has nothing to do with it anymore at this point for me. When it comes to, like, getting yeah. our bills paid and creating a sustainable business model yeah. right now, it's not even on the map. Yeah, I mean, and no matter what happens, I think ZigZag, for me, has been very much, like, a, a success. And whether civil becomes, like, a mere mention in the story of our careers or, like, a massive pivot that changes everything for us and <laughs> journalists more broadly. We may discover that in season two. We may. I mean, I think at the very least, there's something to be said about trying to really explore this moment in technology and in our society, both on the uh, blockchain side and what's happening again with democracy and journalism, these big, big moments and that we get to have a front row seat and mm. explore it with our listeners and to have them reflect back to us that these ideas mm. are important, that's a huge opportunity. Huge. It takes work, though, and it takes time to put those stories together and put a narrative together that, that makes sense. And I will admit, like, I have leaned into some of my work tendencies that I believe have contributed to my success, but also to some of my uh, in the past, burnout. Like, mm -hmm. my kids were away last week, and I sat down at my kitchen table at 2 p.m., and then I looked up, and it was 10 p.m., and I hadn't moved. Really? Yeah. That's not good. No. I mean... But honestly, like, it meant that when my kids came back, mm -hmm. I could be with them, and... I, I got to admit, I'm struggling with this right now. It's the balance thing. I mean, it's not something we haven't talked about, but it's hard. To figure out, like, how to divide your time so you're not ignoring your kids or ignoring your family and close friends or not giving enough to the business or not reading enough. It just, it's, it it's relentless. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, it's not unique to podcasting or journalism. It's, no. it's a big part of being an entrepreneur, I'm sure. And what I've found in this early stage is not only do we not have the money to outsource a lot of the work. I don't know what we would I outsource know. right now. We've been now. struggling with that. That's been a big issue for us. It's hard because your hands are in everything, and then how do you? Yeah, I mean, it's that question of scaling. We're going to work on that. I mean, we've got people that are very supportive of us that have been through it and that are, you know, Advising talking us, us through yeah. that process as well. Okay, should we should we wrap this up? Sure. Okay. Last question for you. Mm -hmm. A couple episodes ago, I joked that our new tagline for the show might need to be zigzag, come for the crypto, stay for the female empowerment. It makes a really good bumper sticker, <laughs> actually. 
Okay, our tagline from the beginning was ZigZag, a podcast about charting a new course for capitalism, journalism, and women's lives. We actually were saying women in tech for a while there, Mm -hmm. but I feel like that doesn't encompass enough. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Should we swap out taglines? Do you think the first one still sticks? You like to swap taglines out. Well, (laughs) my mindset changes. Are you making fun of me from note to self? Note to self changed taglines like seven times because I'm like, I've moved on to something new. And I got to talk about that. So actually, I... uh I like, I really still like our first tagline, but I think your idea for a bumper sticker or maybe a t-shirt for the merch would be oh, good. Oh, yeah, Like, actually. we could do that for sure for merch, but I, I think the big ideas and the big issues in our society that we're trying to address, I think it's it's worthy to keep pointing that out over and over again. We're dealing with issues of where the future of capitalism is going, where journalism is going, and and certainly where women fit into all of that, and, and as well as technology. That's important to me, and I, I mean, taglines are taglines, like... Really? Do they matter at all? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I think they're, you know, they're your lodestar, right? You keep circling back to, right. like, the mission. And... Then I'm, I would stick with the formula. All right. We'll stick with it. This is—we've both teared up multiple <laughs> times in this conversation. This feels very momentous to me because we said we were going to do this, Jen, and we fucking did it. <laughs> we fucking did it. Yeah, we did it. Okay, we're both crying now. There's lots to come, people. We're going to be back in two weeks on Thursday, September 6th. Take a big sniff. It's okay. Your mic's still (laughs) live. (laughs) Then we'll be back again two weeks after that on September 20th. The civil token sale is September 18th, 2018, in case you're listening to this in the future. So we will definitely be tracking that on Twitter at ZigzagPod in October Season two of ZigZag will officially begin. Our focus is going to be on how information travels. And I'm wondering, like, maybe you want to get a group of folks together to do ZigZag listening parties and talk through the big issues that, you know, sometimes we can only scrape the surface of. And they are worth face-to-face conversations, eye contact, maybe with people who think differently from you, too. It's just a thought. Okay, Jen's weeping right now. Um, Send us your ideas for ways we can continue building our community here. Our email is zigzag at stableg.com. And as you know, we love, 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 love hearing from you. I'm going on vacation. I'm going to be answering your emails, though. I'm still working my way through. This episode was produced by me and Jen Poyant. David Herman was our audio engineer and composer. Many thanks to our other audio engineers for helping us out all season long, Matt Boynton and Dan DeZula. ZigZag comes from Stable Genius Productions in partnership with Civil. We are proud members of Radiotopia from PRX. I'm Manoush Samarodi. Thank you so much for listening. Of their jobs for a new earth.
yesterday at a company that you worked for for 10 years. Yep. <laughs> well, it feels fucking great. They don't know whether we can be good journalists and good mothers and still make stuff creatively. But all's not lost. Civil to the rescue. Are you psyched? I'm so psyched. No denim had to understand just what does blockchain do? Because half that funding wasn't token. So the whole idea is that citizens and journalists need to become co-owners of this platform. Level up, but now they have the power of Vivian Schiller, ethical guardian of the registry. This is what we believe in. This is what we stand for. And if you're going to be uncivil, then we want to hear that you agree to this too, and we're going to hold you to it. You think this is all really going to come off? I have no idea. Who knows if there isn't a glitch or a zigzag that they're going to have to deal with. But soon the listeners will face the greatest challenge there is in the form of the civil registration quiz. It's my opinion, it was designed to be failed. It was definitely a pain. This is an incredible hassle. Will enough people buy tokens when they go on sale? On September 18th. Tell you, I feel more relaxed if I only knew. I guess we'll have to find out in season two.